welcome hey. to the Tag and Brando Podcast. That's true. It's we both are of us. coming to you. Yes. There are two of us. If you cannot distinguish between our voices, good luck. The, mag- <laughs> the magic number is two. Do not proceed till three. Four is okay. right out. Right out. <laughs> Five. Three, seven. Uh, but yes, there's the two of us, the duo, it's Truo, bonus points if you tweet us back with that reference. That's true. Because um, that, a lot of people ask, you know, this is not the question of the day, but what is your go-to karaoke song? That's your someday, go-to. <laughs> someday, it will be that song, and someone awesome will, like, if, if we're together, we got a duo that song. Because that would be Because we're just a pair of lonely ones who are meant to be a two. Yo! (laughs) Yes. That's hilarious. Um, But yeah. Uh, Tag, how you doing? Dude, man. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I am am doing well. Uh, Not going to lie. We are training right now, my girlfriend and I, for a half marathon. Holy man cow. And we did 12 miles on Saturday. Yeah, buddy. Which which pretty much is a half marathon. I would consider us done. <laughs> I mean, tag an extra mile point one on there and we are we are good to go. So it should be like, yeah, let's but you know, that's like it's like two weeks away and yeah, know, we're still trying to but then we went running this just a little bit ago to to just keep limber and stuff, and I got about a mile, and I was just done. Like, really? My legs have not recovered well from that 12-miler, so that is not great. Yeah, man. means you just didn't build up to the 12 yet. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we got two weeks, so just a couple of short ones and a eight-miler, and then and then we'll we'll do it again. I wish you the luck and uh and yeah. That's all that's all I can give you is the luck. Good job. <laughs> well, uh I definitely am doing what you taught me running. Yeah. As best I can where you you speed up on the hills. Now, I don't necessarily anticipate passing people right as, as you uh would would say in like cross country or anything. But right uh, now, now that was a mental game that I played. So if it helps you mentally, then great. If it wears you mm-hmm. out, don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but like I could, the thing that I found is when I ran, this is when I ran cross country that, uh, let me turn this guitar around so it's not reverberating. One second. Ooh, little, uh, little echo there. Little studio echo. Um, but when I ran races, you know, you'd get to a hill and then your pace would slow down just organically. And then you'd get to the top of the hill and you'd be like, uh, I'm done. Um, and your pace doesn't recover. Or at least it wouldn't for me. Like I was just, I get up there and then like my pace is shot. So I had mm-hmm. to, I had to hit the hills faster than I normally would so that when I got to the top, I could slow back to my pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, that was the logic. And then, uh, 
but I'd also use it to then humiliate people as I be- <laughs> and then it helped then then that additional mental aspect would help me in the race because I'd pass like you know one or two guys on the hill and they'd be like huh? and uh, my coach my coach used to make me run with my inhaler though I will tell you to this day that I'd never uh, took a puff of inhaler during a race like I never really no okay but uh, but it, it affected me enough in uh, practice. The early days, he would be mm-hmm. like, "You got to run with that inhaler." So I'd run. So I beat these guys on the hill, going up the hill, and I give them a little uh, inhaler wave. Oh, to, like <laughs> you take you take like a fake puff. You're like. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take it, but I'd like, you know, I'd wave to them so they could see my inhaler in my hand. So mentally, they'd be like, this guy passed pass me on a hill. He's not just some guy, though. The guy who can't breathe passed <laughs> me on the hill. And the then one they, lung, one lung passed me. That's right. <laughs> Did you get passed by one lung? And then I crushed their spirits. Yeah. Running's about, running's big mental game. Get in. It is. It is. And I don't know, like, because you, you're running. And like you know, people who are way faster than you. He, okay, this is the big difference that I've that I've realized between running and bike races. Yeah, running, people are like they pass you and they're like, "Good job, man! Good job! You're getting, you're good. You're, you're, it's like you're doing great and everything." And you're just like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." You just keep on running, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And like I've I I never you know did it in high school like competitively or anything like right. that i've only done it for for fun in in these these gimmicky races and stuff <laughs> raise um, money for us yes run and, and everything so um so that being said you know everybody's like very friendly and, you know a lot of camaraderie and you know cheering you on and all that kind of different stuff but during like bike races like when i've done like a triathlon and stuff like that People like when they're when you're not doing well biking, they like just, you know, blow past you and they're just like on your left, on your left. And then like they're like, it's like racer coming through, racer coming through. And you're like, I'm a racer, too, man. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm racing. That's not fair. I paid money for this race, too. Yeah. I'm not just on this path (laughs) doing doing nothing like yeah. Who, yeah. Who let that casual biker onto this trail? You know, exactly. this is closed race. Yeah. So that that is definitely a, a big difference. And like, I always love. I mean, they do do other triathlons. They like do do. In, they do do triathlons in in different orders. But I always thought it's funny because like like swimming is the hardest, right? Uh-huh. Usually, I mean, it's the shortest distance. Then biking and then running. And it always seems to me it's like, well, that's just a safety issue because, like, if you. I think we've covered this so far. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to stop moving, you know, or just like pass out, it's best to pass out when you're running and then you just fall over. Right. Instead of like falling off a 25 mile an hour bike or drowning. So. Yes, we probably we have talked about this already. That's but fair. Let's get let's get <laughs> to to the the real meat and then Ooh. the potatoes and then the dessert. You know how the, we do it. Yeah, of the question of the day. Mm. 
So my question for you today. Yes, sir. And to all you listeners out there is who is your favorite unsung hero? Somebody that in the annals of history is not as well regarded as they should be given what we know about them or what they contributed to at the time. So what do you what do you what do you got? Well, man, who, who, who you have? Who who I got? Who I got? Uh, well, you sent me this question, and I actually I had to think about this a lot. So I actually did some ra- some research, some research, research. Uh, and this is not my person. And so favorite, I don't I don't think I could add that in front of mine necessarily. But this is a uh, uh, unsung hero, <laughs> uh, uh, good one. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. But uh, I was reading an article of, like, unsung heroes that some BuzzFeed or somebody was like, this is an unsung hero. Um, uh, Maria, who was the wife of Tsar Alexander III. I thought this was funny. This is not my my person, but I (laughs) thought this was kind of cool. She saved a life by altering a death sentence once. Alexander was going through his list of suspected traitors and criminals, and as had, as any as, good leader does, just as like, a czar hmm. does, hmm, <laughs> who's, who's, who needs to be exiled to Siberia? <laughs> um, and so he had written next to this guy's name, uh, "Pardon impossible, comma, to send to Siberia." Oh wow! <laughs> so. No, no minced words there. Just... No, he's like, you will die. There is no way that we can pardon you. Uh, Maria got a hold of this and changed um, the comma to follow the word pardon rather than the word impossible. Ooh. So it then said pardon, comma, impossible to send to Siberia and save <laughs> that person's life. Wow. With a comma. I That's... thought that was really cool. But uh, there you go. That's that's pretty dope. That that reminds me of uh, uh, something I was watching on uh, the Oracle at Delphi that the uh-huh. the Greeks um, would would go to and stuff like that, and how crazy ambiguous the messages were and right. stuff like that. Where it's like, um, never in war will you perish. Um, something like uh, like or it's like something you will return or something like that, and it depends on how it's punctuated because you can say like it's like never in war will you perish or it's like never in war will you perish <laughs> like you know right never comma in war will you perish or something like that you know it's like oh great. <laughs> Like, I, I'm going to die or I'm not going to like, what, what does that even mean? Why did I even come up this mountain? <laughs> it does nothing. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so here, here is somebody that I had, uh, knowledge of, um, that I think is kind of cool. So when we were in, my wife and I lived in Korea, South mm-hmm. Korea for a year and uh korea just like a lot of uh you know eastern asian uh, countries uh-huh. are 
are still very traditional um, in their values and views. Uh, you know, tradition like the you know uh, cultural traditions still hold very strong right sway. Um, and how you are viewed by your community is still a very big deal. Um, you know, and how your family dynamic is viewed by you know uh, the community as well. Like that's a that's a big deal. Like honor is a thing, and right. you you don't bring dishonor to your family. Right. Um, and so in this modern day and age where uh, uh, relationships are a little bit more loose in the morals realm, I guess I'll say. Um, <laughs> well, well, well put. <laughs> there's a lot more unborn or uh, a lot more uh, children born out of wedlock in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big, like a big no. Like, uh, yeah, you you basically have lost your family's honor. You're ostracized. You're, it's a bad deal if like you get pregnant and you're not married. Things like this. Right. So so there's a big problem in South Korea where people get pregnant and then they abandon their children or purposely kill their children or uh Ooh. you know mm-hmm. because. Because they can't be associated with that child. If, like, their community right. finds out that that child had any connection to them, then, like, it can be, you know, bad for their family. So, uh, so it was a bit, it's a big, it's still a big thing that is a thing there. Um, there was, uh, uh, well, Step back. Um, there is a big Korean Christian movement where Korea, of course, is traditionally more of a Buddhist country. There is a, a big Christian population there now, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you know, I don't know about your town, but you drive around my town, and you might see a Christian, you know, a Korean Christian church. Right. I know. Right. I know where one is in uh, in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, there's this pastor, uh, I'm going to try to say his name correctly, Lee Young uh, Rock. I, yes. (laughs) I'm not pausing for you to confirm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pausing for me to be like, oh, my Korean accent is bad. Um, um, He is a pastor at some Christian church there, and he... Uh, created to try to help this situation. Uh, he has a, an orphanage that's associated with his church. Uh-huh. And on his church, he built a drop box for babies. Oh, so, okay. if some, uh-huh. so if somebody was going to abandon their child and mm-hmm. or kill their child, they had an alternative to get rid of the child and save the child's life versus um, just abandoning them to to you know not survive on the streets or whatever. So he well, built this. Well, 
fully it's padded, but yes. Uh-huh. No, it's a very comfortable box. It's heated. It's, it, it's built into the wall. He's got motion detectors in there. So as soon as somebody puts some a baby in there, the alarm goes off in his house, and he and he knows that somebody's there. So they're not there for very long. Right. And he'll go go and collect them and uh-huh. and uh, you know take them to the orphanage and whatever. And so uh, you know. Um, it's cool because in the community there, obviously, it saves that child's life, but it also helps them to save face if that's what they're going to do. Obviously, I don't condone people abandoning their children. Like, that's not the purpose of this. Right, <laughs> you know, right, don't take care of your children. Um, but in that situation where it's going, it's more likely to happen than not, which is the sad thing, mm-hmm. right? Your family's not going to rally around you. Your community's not going to rally around you to help you to raise a child. They're going to <laughs> ostracize you. Um, so it gives them an option to uh, you know, have their children taken care of and maybe even adopted down the road versus you know without their name being attached to it where if they were to do the adoption route, that would still blow back on their family because uh, – you know, their name is still attached to that child. So anyways, um, it's a cool situation. It's kind of cool. And uh, we kind of learned about this in Korea because we had some interest in adopting a Korean child, which is very hard uh, uh-huh. for, for, for foreigners. But we, right. uh, we did go and uh, volunteer at one of the orphanages oh that's cool that had um real new babies like baby baby babies and so you'd go and you would hold them and you'd change them and you would like play with them so they had stimulation right in a in a in a room that had like 30 or 40 little baby beds you know with all these Mm -hmm. children in it so uh so yeah it's a thing and yeah so there you go. That's, uh, I, you know, not a, a lot of people Western probably know about it. Obviously, he's got some recognition in uh, Korea and, and that. And they did make a documentary about him, which I have not seen. So I'm interested in seeing that. But uh, but anyways, there you go. That's, uh, that is what I have brought to the table for this question. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting that, you know, like you said, you know, South Korea – has has that you know that that issue where your family's not going to support you and all that kind of stuff and it wasn't that long ago in american history that people were in that exact same situation right. you know where it's right like right any unwed mother you know and you know other parts of europe and stuff like that like um that movie with with judy uh with Judy Dench, you know, where she had to give up her son. Oh yeah, what is like that? Phil Philomena. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. I mean, like that was 60, 70 years ago, basically. Yeah. That you know, people, you know, would go away for a couple of months when they were visibly with child, and then they would give that child up for adoption or right whatever needed to happen they felt and then they would go back to their lives you know and and i don't 
I don't know if you want to get into that, but you're you have heritage of that, right? In your family, exactly. And so, you know, good things can come out of out of certain situations. You know, like this, right? This uh, this gentleman you're talking about, you know, tries to make the best of a bad situation where people, you know, like don't have to go to the most dire straits. You know, right? They can, right? They can know that their their child's going to be taken care of in the best capacity that they wouldn't be able to provide. You know, because that's the other thing is, um, we 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 forget a lot here in in the U.S. that you know we think, oh well, anybody can really kind of make it on their own. Like we have these stories of people just like, you know, their family doesn't support them, so they go out and they do and they make make it right and stuff right. but um you know there are places in the world where if if your family doesn't support you it's not monetarily it's not emotionally it is just socially like no one else will like, right if you're not if, gonna get a chance anywhere yeah, else you know if you you know if you are turned away by your family there's no one around the corner to take you in and and that's, right. that's hard sometimes. So it people kind of get judged pretty harshly where it's just like, well, you know, screw your parents if, or screw your family. If they don't support you, it's like, well, you <laughs> sometimes you can't think like that. You know, it's right because everybody else is also going to say, well, you know, if you're not part of that community, then you can't be part of our community. So, yeah. Um, No, yeah, that's, that's a crazy. good that's a good story. And. Um, I think that's awesome that you guys went and volunteered and, uh, you know, orphanages, you know, babies, you know, there's just a lot of people out there that, you know, if, if, if I knew anything about, you know, the legal system and everything like that, that would be the one thing that I could see, you know, making a real difference is, um, almost you know any two people can have a baby you know biologically but to adopt a baby you got to go through a lot it's hard man a lot of steps it's hard and be you know you get a lot of judgment and and things like that and um you know if anything can make that process easier on the parents easier on the child cheaper you know then then it just would happen more often and hopefully more people would take advantage of it. So, well, I mean, even in this country, it's so expensive to adopt Mm -hmm. not little, you know, speaking, I mean, 30 years ago, it was, it was cheaper to go out of the country to adopt than to adopt in the country. Yeah. It's not necessarily like that now. It's just expensive across the board. Um, Uh And some countries, it's more, it's even more expensive if a foreigner wants to come in and adopt a child there. Because most most countries have doubled down on we need to build up our own community. And uh, oh yeah, so Korea is like this that they're like, we're only going to adopt to Korean families that live mm-hmm. in Korea unless you know basically all end roads are covered and nobody wants to adopt this child right um and then we're going to charge you more <laughs> you know to do it right so it, it, so anyways um i, I my um uh, 
going to specific, I had a family member who they could not have children and they tried to adopt so many times and just financially couldn't do it. And like, or just, I guess I don't know all the specifics uh, on what all the details were that just, but they just, they ended up really just not, wasn't a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so they just basically went on social media and pled with people to like, if you know anybody who is thinking of adopting their child, we will do a direct adoption uh, just directly with the parent right? Uh, so that we don't have to go through the legal system um, and pay all the ridiculous money. Still, when, it's still it's ridiculous. Still, it's, it's still expensive. Still- you yeah. still have to file paperwork and all those things, but you don't have to go through uh, as much um, right. red tape and fees and all of that. There's still some, but uh, b- but it's a little bit more clean. The parent the parent can say, "Right, I want these people to adopt my child," and like I give them guardianship, and they can sign guardianship over, and then they just have to go through. Mm-hmm. Through the you know we're their legal guardian and then we have then we have to just make it official that we adopt them uh, versus going through the whole shebang. So that's what they ended up doing and and they were able to do that. Um, but that's that's uh, it's a rarity situation versus the norm, obviously. But. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, that's. It is it is a crazy world and like and that's you know, like what I'm saying is we could make it easier, then you know, hopefully more people would would lend a lend a hand. Right. Know, and there's plenty of people out there. We just a uh, guy at work, um, he was asking us because he is uh he and his wife, uh, they're just gonna uh be foster parents. Yeah. And he was like, Is it is it wrong to kinda have like a baby shower you know for for foster kids and stuff and we're like not at all man like you're opening your home to children you know whether it's biologically yours or not like it's a noble effort and if if we as your friends and your coworkers, can help you out just like you know we would anybody that's having a baby you know it's like you need cribs you need toys you need clothes you need diapers you need all that kind of stuff just you know like you know just because you're not having a kid yourself as as like the biological parents doesn't mean that you're doing it anything less probably means more you know yeah. like <laughs> cuz you'll probably you, get multiple children at once you know kind of a thing yeah you might or, and you might have to yeah. initially fork out more money than you would for a child that you birthed you exactly. know exactly yeah uh so financially it makes way more you know it makes a lot of sense to turn to your community and your mm-hmm. friends and associates to to help you out with that so yeah. that's cool good yeah. for them yeah so they just had a foster shower and i'm like yeah that's totally legit that's awesome yeah cool yeah. um so i um speaking of families and and brothers and such yeah um i i have an unsung hero that um is is really the odd man out as okay. as a, a lot of these uh, individuals are, uh, this is does the name Charlie Taylor ring a bell? Mm. Charles Edward Taylor. 
I think I know because I think you told me who you're going to talk about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but if you had told me before, I would say, no, who is Mr. Char- Charlie? Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor. I do not. I would um, not have known. So so Charlie Taylor uh, is the the third member of, uh, I'm just going to call him, of the Wright Flyer team. So the Wright Flyer is the, the plane and uh, the, you know, first uh, actual powered human flight. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, this is not what you told me. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned someone else to you. I mentioned um, uh, Michael Collins. Yes. Who Who is another third odd man out um, that we might go into later. But uh, keep keep that guy in mind because he kind of has a similar story to this. Okay. Where, um, so, you know, if you don't know the story of the Wright brothers, you know, it's basically they, they owned a bike shop and they started making their own bikes and air, uh, um, air travel was non-existent. Um, pretty much people had gliders and that was about it. Um, but they wanted to be the first to have an actual, powered flight and be able to steer and you know maneuver and you know do do all the things that we would expect an airplane to do and um the interesting thing to me is charlie taylor was their mechanic was the guy who built the engine for their airplane and really why this guy doesn't get more recognition i don't know because when you think about it that's what makes it an airplane. Right. Everybody up until this point had gliders and they they were, you know, whether they were canvas and just balsa wood and just floating on air currents and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's all the Wright brothers had. They came to him with their design. Like he worked with, with them in their bike shop and stuff, but they came to him with the design and said, hey, there isn't an engine out there that works like nothing off the rack, you know, will work. So we need you to basically build one from scratch. <laughs> and wow. I've never built an internal combustion engine myself. And so designing and building one out of the very unproven metal of aluminum at the time, you know, was was just yeah unheard of really is that what he did it was all, all aluminum so it was yep. light enough for flight yeah so he he oh. cast he cast the block out of aluminum and um the other crazy thing about it was the rights had calculated you know what what they needed in order to get the thrust and the the um to get the lift that they they would uh require and all that kind of stuff to control just one person they needed eight horsepower. He built um, a brand new engine that produced twelve. So nice. like, like gave them a hundred and fifty percent of what they were asking for, which is crazy. It's pretty um, awesome. They, you know, went and tried to find a propeller to uh, to propel them. <laughs> I guess you could say those didn't exist, so they. The Wright brothers had to like basically carve their own propeller and everything like that. But um, it's just interesting to me. Like you look at 
you look at Charlie's, you know, I uh, IMDb. What am I talking about? You look at his, <laughs> you look at his like Wikipedia page, and he he's like a footnote. You know, he's like and Charlie uh, Taylor, you know, designed the, and he stuck around with them, and you know, helped design other engines and you know stuff like that. Um, and during the patent wars that they had, um, this is something that I wasn't aware of as well. So the Wright brothers went on this like, I mean, fitting for the time, patent like tirade where they they wouldn't showcase their plane because they were too worried for people stealing their patent sure so they they refused to fly it in front of newspaper people they refused to have it filmed and all this kind of stuff they invited very limited people to see it because they were waiting for their patent to go through and fair enough when it did go through it meant that everybody that built a plane after that point had to pay them 20%. Like really, whether you use their design or not, the mere fact that you were, you were building an airplane that had an engine and wings, they owned 20% of that concept. So, wow. And Patent law was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they were super litigious about it. And so they went after everybody that tried to build and so when World War One rolled around, like America, when America was you know put in in the war there, we had nothing because the Wright brothers were too busy fighting legal battles to improve their planes. Nobody else felt it was worth it to build planes. So we basically had the same canvas balsa wood stuff that they were flying in 1902. Right. <laughs> and so. Um, meanwhile, Crazy. the Germans had like, you know, um, the, the red Baron, like, you know, like metal planes and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of interesting and, um, interesting part of history that, yeah, they, they got what they wanted, but it kind of set people back. And I think that happens a lot with, with patents and, and everything is, is, do you know when that changed or when they stopped? Yeah, so during World War Two, or no, sorry, um, it was World War One. During World War One, they basically um, they settled the patent to where it was like you get like a dollar <laughs> or like like one percent or something like that. They like they like suspended like their patent or something like that just to get some innovation and to churn some some product mm -hmm. out and, and everything and that's when the Wright brothers kind of got sidestepped by I think it was Glenn Curtis um, that he uh, he ended up um, innovating a completely different plane and and that really is what um, you know what took off <laughs> um, nice from, from there, and they just kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of went their separate ways and everything like that. And then the patent wasn't renewed after the war and everything like that. But, um, but yeah, that was like the big thing is, is um, they were just like, dude, we got to suspend this man because we are not getting anything off the ground. Um, and so they just kind of retired after that. They're like, okay, whatever, we got our. You know, we got it. 
you know, we did the best we could. So, yeah. Crazy. Mm-mm. Yeah, so trying to find how much it was. Yeah, it uh, says um, lawsuits and lawsuit threatened threats frightened many would-be aircraft manufacturers uh, out of business uh, just as the growing war in Europe stimulated the U.S. military demand for aircraft in the anticipation of eventually the U.S. involvement in the war. The U.S. Army and Navy were finding it difficult to get aircraft manufacturers to produce enough to meet the military demand. So they basically um, just put uh, a kibosh on that and this said you know what like your patent is suspended <laughs> for for a while so, crazy mm-hmm. yeah um by yeah by franklin roosevelt fdr so that's cool man yeah so so what was the guy's name again who built the engine charlie taylor charlie taylor mm-hmm yeah, and so um, jumping over to uh, to the other one I mentioned there, Mike Collins. Um, Mike Collins is the third member of the Apollo 11 uh, mission. And so he's kind of the unsung hero of that whole thing where uh, Buzz and uh, Neil – you know, get all the recognition for being the, you know, second and first people to walk on the moon. Right. But Michael Collins basically is floating out there in the command module all by himself, kind of just twiddling his thumbs (laughs) and hoping that they come back. Well, he's like, you guys don't get, you guys don't get home without me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that, that's got to be crazy to go that far and you know sit on the doorstep yeah exactly (laughs) um and you know they had other missions too where uh, i think it was apollo eight or nine when it like it barely it got like a couple hundred feet from the surface and then had to go back up you know because they and everything like that we talked about that a little bit but that's that's crazy to think about like um you think about like Michael Collins had to be like since the time like since John Glenn basically the loneliest person in the in existence not even in the world because he is very far from the world he is right. the farthest from other human beings that anyone has ever been <laughs> just like oh my did, oh my friends it. come back yeah exactly hope there's not alien monsters on the moon was he uh, uh was he was he ever a part of another mission uh no he wasn't a part of any other uh apollo missions i don't believe so so he never he never got to walk on the moon mm-hmm. or anything after that yeah and that's you know i don't think anybody um um ever went twice you know Oh yeah, you're probably right. So that's that's another crazy thing is you would think, well, Buzz and and Neil, you guys did it, or Mike, you know, you you were basically there, you know, all the steps, you know, like right. Let's let's just shoot you right back up there, and it's like, no, that's yeah. 
Yeah, too expensive to do that. <laughs> Just turn yeah. around and send them back. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, oh, excuse me. Uh, I was wrong. He actually uh, did both. He 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 did Apollo ten and was the second person to orbit the moon, and then did Apollo eleven and stayed up there. <laughs> And had to stay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he basically, like, yeah, you know the moon, right? Yeah, I, I've seen it all over. I've floated around it a lot. <laughs> it's just like, cool. All well, right. when the rolls came down to what each guy was going to do, they probably were like, hey, uh, you remember where you were last time, like real close to the moon? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to ask you to do that again. Again, why these guys walk on the surface. Yeah. So I hope that's good. Are you still in? You're still in? Okay, good. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. Um so yeah. That been so rough. He he just kinda hung out there and you know, and sadly nobody nobody remembers that kind of stuff. And like I remember, because uh, just ABC. So you got Armstrong, you got Buzz, and you got Collins. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so there's there's people out there that did you know just as much legwork to get there, right? Right. And you know, sadly, we just we just don't show them the love that that others do and i'm sure there's a million more examples out there but for sure um yeah just kind of think about that just who who do you know that you know and maybe it's part of them maybe they're just humble about it and they just want to keep keep the status quo or keep it keep it real right Cool man. Well, that was cool. That was a good. That was a good one. Thanks. Nice. Well, should we jump into some uh, trigger memories? Trigger the memories. Memories. Uh, so, so I don't know what kind of answer you have for this. I'm a pretty specific example that I remember, but uh, I wondered if you could recall. The first time you were left alone for an extended period of time, like days or weeks or weeks or, uh, yeah, or even the first, you know, if you don't, you could even go into the first time maybe you, if you have, lived by yourself or were on your own, blah, blah, blah. So, like, let me let me get a little clarification on here. When you're saying, please. like, uh, alone, you mean, like, Kevin McAllister style. So, like, not Home like, alone. We're right. Not, we're not, like, hey, mom and dad have left us kids and we are, we are eating junk food and, you know, uh, jumping off the bed and all that kind of kind of. Well, maybe you, maybe you were, but your siblings weren't there. Siblings you weren't there either. You were the man. You were the the guy. All alone, taking care of the place. Um Do you have to any honest, experience of that? Yeah, to be honest, I think um 
it's it's not that we weren't really trusted to be alone because we were we were home as a collective the kids like a, a lot. lot yeah yeah and and everything so i have to say it was probably it was probably in wasn't until i was in my late teens when like um the other guys were gone yeah huh? the other guys were gone too because i mean we were all very close in age i mean there's only uh 18 months 18 months between the three of us um, right and stuff so you know if if we were in school we were all in school if you know if uh you know there was a practice or something like that yeah maybe definitely was left for the afternoon and stuff but i don't know like a whole day um like a point where um everybody be, would be gone at once so i'd probably have to say um it definitely happened when i was like uh a senior in high school like all the time yeah. and and the funny thing um for me, as a as a kid growing up, just kind of random thought here is like since my mom worked nights and everything, like I didn't really have a curfew. I mean, there was nobody, you know, checking checking me in or tucking me in or whatever kind of a thing um, to report back to. But I was right. governed by my friends' curfews, <laughs> so uh, I had you know just a couple of buddies, you know, my same age. And they all had very specific curfews. And so then there was no one for me to hang out with. And I wasn't one to just go out and, you know, cause trouble or do something, you know, by myself. So I just would go home and and hang out. So right. actually, let me let me say this. Probably the first time that I was, quote, home alone is when I was taking care of my friend Shimmy's house. Oh, so that was something that um, Shimmy would go because both his parents were teachers, so they would get the whole summers off. So they would drive up to uh, Canada or uh, drive up to Alaska for the summer and they had me watch their house. So I would go over and I would cut the grass and I would water the plants and uh, truth be told, just hang out there. <laughs> Like all day right. for days on end, um, just because there was nobody, nobody there to bother me, and I would just you know hang out, you know download some stuff on LimeWire, <laughs> <laughs> uh, watch, back in the you know, day, watch their movies and stuff like that. So I think uh, it wasn't me ruling my roost; it was you know uh, house watching. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was awesome because, you know, I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't responsible for, for anybody and didn't have right. to worry about any of that. So that was probably when I was, uh, when I was like a sophomore in high school and stuff like that. So that was probably nice. a lot more fun. Cause I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Like, like my mom kind of knows where I am, but she doesn't care. Like I can be over <laughs> here doing whatever I want, you know, kind of stuff like that. So um yeah nice that was that was good stuff when 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 nice. were you um, abandoned as a child so i mean it's a similar time frame really because uh uh same kind of situation you know there was three of us i'm the middle um and so if my parents were going to be gone then you know 
uh, it was usually my older sister that was in charge or whatever. And right. so, you know, it wasn't really my uh, my show, as it were. Mm-hmm. And that's so, the thing is, even if your sister was doing something, like maybe she had like a track meet or something like out of town or something like that. Like, yeah, but you still got, you know, your little sister, you know, like. Right, right. I'm still responsible for somebody else. Right. Uh, and something like that. So, so no, I, there's a specific time that I remember and I don't, I, I guess I don't remember the year, but my, my older sister might've been to college already. Um, but my folks were going out of town and my little sister either was going with them or had something else or maybe my parents arranged for her to stay at somebody's house. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember the specifics. Right. All I remember is that the house was mine for like a <laughs> week and a half. Dude, a week and a half. That is crazy. Yeah. This is like you uh, – and this was like summer, I'm pretty sure. Uh, because I don't, I didn't have to go to school or anything. Like I had no, uh, restraints. I was, I had free days for a week and a half. This is like when you don't shower for like the whole week. Now I don't remember the shower schedule, but I do remember that after, you know, a day or two, I was like, well, this is my house. Like, I guess I should take care of it and stuff. Like, I mowed the lawn. Like, oh, I wasn't wow. Look like, at you ex- responsible. Necess- necessarily expected to, but like, I don't know. It was an interesting thing. I was like, this is this is a, a a time for me to experience what it would actually feel like to live by myself and try to take care of this place. And I found that dishes were a lot easier for one person <laughs> versus yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, this is easy as a one person. Just You're wash like, it after I eat it. I yeah. Like, I'm making boom. You know, mac and cheese and I'll just eat it straight out of the pot. <laughs> well, yeah. It, you could do that. I was like, I get some pizza rolls. I put that in a bowl. That bowl is clean five yeah. minutes after I'm done. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it was like an impactful experience for me. I wrote a song. I remember this was like one of the first songs I ever wrote about uh, living on my own uh, for, that, for that week. Um, it was a good song. I thought the melody was catchy if I remember correctly, but I don't remember the song. I couldn't sing it for you. I couldn't find it if my life depended on it. But uh, You just got to be home alone again. I guess find that inspiration. I guess so. It's not the same now. I'm like, I actually have to pay for this place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I really don't want to cut the lines. Less motivation. Yeah. Um, but it was it was cool. I don't remember everything that I did, um, but uh, but yeah, man, it was the first time where I was just like, I'm free to do whatever I want. Uh, whatever I want is not extensive enough to like, you know, to the point of like remodeling or anything. So it's right. like n- not a danger for me to be like, I can do whatever I want. If it, whatever I wanted was like, well, I can watch this movie as many times as I want. <laughs> you know, I eat pizza rolls every day if I can get the money to go buy them. Uh, oh man. Talking about that kind of stuff. When... When my mom would like go on vacation and stuff, like go see her sister and everything, and she would just leave us money, that was right? it. like, yeah, we would just 
like when I first started working at Sam's Club, she left us like, you know, before it's like she'd leave us like, you know, 50 bucks or something. We'd or she'd take us to the grocery store and we'd stock up the fridge and stock up the pantry and then she'd go. But then she'd just like say like, oh, here, I'm leaving you guys 50 bucks. We go to Sam's Club. That 50 bucks buys three boxes. So right. Pizza rolls. <laughs> and fruit like, snacks. Yeah. Taquitos <laughs> the <Nice>. whole week. <laughs> It's just like, oh, we got a freaking huge box of pizza rolls. It's going to be awesome. It's like, Classic. and we have no green vegetables or fruit <laughs> that, or anything. <laughs> pizza rolls lasted us two days. It, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like I remember, um, I don't know. It, it is a little weird, though, because like, like when you're home alone, you know, it's a little a little uneasy, you know, just a little bit like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you hear a sound or whatever, but there was like, a couple of those times. Yeah. But I've sure. like, but like house sitting, like I've passed out a lot for people and stuff like that. And that just is downright creepy, man. You just, oh, it you can be, man. Not know what is going on. And you're just like, I'm not getting out of this bed. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, for one thing, you just don't know the idiosyncrasies of the house. Yeah. So, like, is that a normal sound that this house makes? Or is that, you know, is that a straight-up robber murderer who is going to kill yeah. me in my sleep? Uh, you just don't know, man. And and it's a weird uh, – and just having glimpses of what their life is like in that house, mm-hmm. but not having the full picture, mm-hmm. you're, it's almost it's – almost, just because you don't have the information, it's like this is a dead house. This is a like there's no <laughs> life here. You know yeah. what I mean? For Versus reals. your house where you're like, I know how things work here. Everything's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's a weird phenomenon. Like go into somebody's house and you're like, well, usually their mom's over here and they're doing this, and no one, no one's here right now. But right. me, they said I could be here, but it doesn't feel like that's right. <laughs> right. Like, um, this house is dead. Yeah, like uh, I was just house sitting, you know, just last week for somebody, and I told him I was like, "Your house is creepy. There's a lot of sounds, and there was something. <laughs> something fell off the house, and I don't know what it is, and I did not bother to find out." And then he, he tells me later, he's like, "Oh, I have a shaving mirror in the shower, and I was like in the guest bedroom, so like, you know, it was downstairs, and like you just heard this like clatter uh, and stuff, uh-huh. and he's like, it fell." He's like, because every day when I go in to take a shower, he just he's like, I push it, you know, push the suction cup and stuff so it gets refreshed. But after a couple of days of no one pushing it, you know, it, it, just, fell, off. it just fell off. And, you know, it's all just, you know, that's, you know, the showery surface, you know, the bathroom surface where everything just echoes. And so I'm just like, nope, right. nope, the house is falling no, apart. You. And it's, it's that's not my fault. Like, I didn't do it and I don't care. And I'm going to try to sleep and not. No, cry. <laughs> but yeah, but no, like I definitely think um, the creepiest left alone is what I did to myself when I went camping by myself. Have you done that? Oh yeah, no, I haven't oh. done that. But we have covered your camping yeah. trip on this podcast. Yeah, and uh, oh boy, howdy! I don't. I'm not sure. Swimming in that that lake and. Like after dark was the scariest thing I've ever done, and it's just 
the most irrational fears of just like there is there is a kraken in this world. <laughs> like, right, I, right. I, I just know I'm going to get to the middle and it's going to just, just I'm going to die. And this is going to be the beginning of the movie where like some random person just dies and you don't ever know their name and they're not in the credits. And <laughs> <laughs> they did not have a speaking role. Did yeah, they exactly. did not get paid well. And then um, and then the real characters come there as a group, so then they can see each other like die one by one. Right. <laughs> you are just the warning to the audience <laughs> right now. Um Yeah. Yeah, dude. You're just like, I hope I hope that Kraken is not nocturnal. I hope he's sleeping. Yeah. I hope he, he is not waking up. Oh man. I cannot no. I can't, no. Yeah, can't be. I, unless I got somebody with me, even then, I'm not sure I could do that. Like that. It's just straight up dumb, is really like. It's not smart yeah, by yourself. In general. And it's not much smarter with a partner right. who's waiting on the shore for you to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but. At least they can notify your next of ten- kin quickly. Yeah. Uh, he died in this lake. It was dark. Couldn't see a lot. Uh, he didn't make it back. Pretty sure he's dead. I didn't I'm see pretty him. sure. I didn't see him wash up or anything. No, I didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. He did. Exactly. But then, oh, but then you're in that same that same boat because you go with one other person. That person falls off the cliff or whatever, and now you are by yourself trying to get help. That's not fun either well it's true i mean at least that's you got true, a mission but they say yeah <laughs> they say at least, i mean buddy system's better yeah even though you're up a tree a little bit trying to get help uh if that guy didn't have somebody to go to help for him he's done like he's right. done right 27 127 hours style yeah yeah the man doesn't have a hand like uh yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so uh Everybody memory needs to, to that. <laughs> everybody needs to experience the aloneness. I think, I think of their own yeah. house, so they yeah. know they know their surroundings. They know to lock up. They know all that kind of different stuff. But uh, but don't do it out in the woods, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's just just not a good not a good option. So, oh, man. you think about those. You think about mountain men back in the day, dude, trappers who went like they're by themselves for ever in the woods. Oh, years. Decades. And that's yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Just oh, to yeah. put it in that context of dying in a river by yourself or in a lake. Like that those guys are out there by themselves forever. Just finding beavers. Have you like, seen Yeah, have you seen Buster Scruggs? I haven't watched the whole thing. We we've talked about this. Oh, I've watched you, yeah, I've watched part of it, but I didn't make it very far. It was when I watched it. It's not that I'm not interested. It's when I watched it. It was like I started and I was like, ah, it's not really what I feel like at the moment. Right. Um. So I didn't finish it. and I haven't been back to it. But uh, but yeah, there's there is a there is an amazing monologue from this trapper guy in the last segment. And he talks exactly about that, where he just like he talks about coming into town to keep his hand in talk. 
<laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> he's like, he's, <laughs> he, he, he literally is just out there for, for years, just trapping. And, um, he Gotta even, make sure I'm eloquent yeah, still. Yeah. He, he, and he, and he finds like, uh, a native American quote unquote wife, you know, that he just kind of, they live together and whatever. And he's like, and it's interesting because he's like, I never learned her language. She never learned mine. And she would just yell at me in her language. And I'm just like, whatever <laughs> kind of a thing <laughs> and everything. And so it's, it's just, it is a fascinating kind of lifestyle when you think about it, that you could just go so long yeah, without man. talking to somebody. And, you know, that's the thing is like you, you're out there surviving, you know, you know what you got to do and, you're doing well, it's it. just like you can obviously they can live without money, you know. Yeah. But they're catching things to make money, but it's not like they need that immediate paycheck, right? Oh, so yeah. So they can they can sit on those on those uh, pelts on those pelts f- in, until they don't have room to hold them, or their mules not going to carry them into town, you right. know. And they're like, ah, I guess I got to go in, uh, and that could be forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're, I mean, they must have just saved all their gold. Obviously, they they bought the rare thing every now and then when they go into town. But well, every day to day life, yeah. they they have a handle, which is crazy. And that's and that's part of it is it's it's non consumable goods. Right. I mean, they're they're killing their food on a regular basis. You know, whether it's daily or weekly, or they're trapping it. You know, all that kind of stuff. They're they're gathering, you know, their greens and, you know, all that kind of different stuff. And they're 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 fetching their own water. And all of a sudden, you know, their the handle of their axe breaks and there's like, well, I have to sit here and carve another handle. And then something happens, you know, that like, you know, something breaks that they they bought in town and they're like, okay, well, you know bought this 15 years ago it's finally you know done its duty gotta go get a new one exactly and that's the thing is like you know we think about it now is like you know if your you know toaster breaks you just chuck it and get a new one you know it's not even like right you know toaster repair was a thing it was oh yeah (laughs) dude you could get everything repaired back in the day because hello electronics are not that hard Mm mm-hmm in the scheme of things, it everything that breaks, you could, uh, you know, to some rational degree, get it fixed. But uh, but that's just not the world we live in anymore. Like it, people don't don't care, and yeah. it's, things are quote unquote cheap enough that they just go buy a new one. It's it's interesting. I I would love to see people, or like kind of see like take. Take a a study, people playing Oregon Trail, like the orig- original uh-huh. Oregon Trail. Uh-huh. You can play it online, buddy. You, you can, can find yeah. it. Yeah. And and have those people in different generations and different like walks of life and all that kind of stuff make that first choice mm. where you pick your vocation. Right? I remember specifically picking the banker because the banker had the most money. 
Right. So you can buy extra wheels. You can buy all the food you need. You can buy bullets. You can buy all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, bam, ba, bam, ba, bam. I am loaded up and ready to go. But you break your third wagon wheel along the road and you are screwed because a banker can't do jack crap about right. broken He's wagon no wheel. skills. He can't fix it. Right. So then I was like, nah, I'm being the carpenter. And yeah, the carpenter, like, you know, doesn't start off with as much money. You don't get as good a, a supplies and everything like that, but they can basically fix stuff along the way. But your wagon's not dead. Like, if it yeah. gets thrashed, you can you can do some repair and, and make it last longer. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm, so smart. So that's kind of not been my, like, whole life philosophy, but I've kind of dabbled in this whole thing of, like, like, what are you going to do if this breaks? Or what What if nobody's there to help you, you know? Like, you can't pay your way out of every situation. Right. And frugally, mm-hmm. you you shouldn't want to do that. Like, you right. should have the alternatives in mind uh, or at least search them out to mm-hmm. see if they're a possibility first before. Like, dude, my couch broke. Yeah. Oh, I remember this. You remember my couch broke. Yeah. My couch broke, and I was like, heck no, I'm not buying a new couch. I'm <laughs> going to fix this dang couch. And it took me a couple tries. Um, mm-hmm. It took me a couple tries to get a good – oh, and the guy and the guy at Home Depot cut my, cut my wood too long. Oh, yeah. Even though the mark of the right mark is like – was on the wood, he ventured it. And cut it long. Anyways, uh, that was a frustrating day. That was like the last thing I needed. I had everything I needed to put together. I went to put that piece in, and I was like, it's just longer than my couch. Like, this is not going to work. <laughs> this is- and I don't have all the tools. You know, I can't just go right. chop saw in the garage. Like, I don't have – I live in an apartment. I don't have room for that kind of stuff. So, I don't right. have it. So, yeah. So, it took me a bit. But I fixed it, and it's better than it's ever – like, it's – my construction is better than the actual couch original. Dude, one hundred percent, which is crazy. Yeah, it's like, like, come on, guys. Your couch is made. Cost me fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah. Your couch is made to be like a certain quality, and right. you can easily just like beef that up. Like, I don't know how many times I fixed like my mom's kitchen table and like her chairs and stuff like that to yeah. I went, to the point where I was like I am just redoing this from the get go like <laughs> I am just I am just like completely like drilling new holes and I'm like you know gluing and screwing and all this kind of stuff to make sure this does not happen again and right. and that's like a big difference between just being like well let me just throw this out and it's like oh you bought the same crappy chairs that means the same crappy problem is going to happen right well, I, your mom was not one to like learn how to do it, but she was like, I will know people who will do it for me. That's true. Um, uh, the first time I ever fixed stairs was at your house. Oh, man. <laughs> and I thought we did a great job. They lasted for a long time. They they did, but they did fall apart again. They so. did, but then we fixed them again. And yes. They were better. But, but, uh, but it, I mean, it was my first attempt, man. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so there you go. Yeah. How did we get on this? Uh, <laughs> home alone. <laughs> yeah, home alone. Hey, man, if you're home alone, you gotta loan the skills, man. You you Heck you gotta yeah. Kevin McAllister that up. You know he did. 
He doesn't trust the police. For <laughs> Heck no, dude. every reason I can't remember, he goes to talk to them and it's something or I can't remember. I, it's not Christmas. I haven't watched that movie yet. Um. Anyways. Anyway. Should we get to our last thing real quick before yeah, we are the, completely... The dessert. Over... Ooh, yeah. For the sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. All right. I got I got a thing. New it up. What's I got a, I got a couple things I want to talk. Not both. I will choose one. But okay. I, I would like uh maybe on a on another podcast on the new or something to talk about the original Spider-Man a trilogy. I just rewatched it. Oh, Sam Raimi. Recently. Yes, sir, Sam Raimi. All right. We'll, and we'll uh, put a pin on pin in that. I know that you enjoy those movies and I would like to talk about them. So, anyways, that's my sub new. We can save it for later. <laughs> a little sizzle for for the yeah. new, next new. Yeah, All right. If you like Spider-Man. Um but my re- my my real new is that my wife got shingles. What? My wife got shingles. Danielle got shingles. She got shingles. Uh, and I found out a lot of things about shingles, and shingles is weird. You think you would know something about shingles? You would think so, but really, I knew shingles in name and kind of where it comes from. Herpes S. Um, Herpes simplex something. No, it's not. It's not a her. Shingles is not herpes. Shingles is um, herpes. No. Okay. Chickenpox Sh- are herpes. Chickenpox are herpes. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Okay. I learned a new thing about shingles. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> continue. All right. Okay. So. Okay. So shingles is weird. This is a weird thing. Okay. For those of you who think you have an idea about what shingles is, I think you're probably wrong, first off. Because I had it way wrong. Um, but uh, here's the thing. Everyone knows you get chicken pox. You, you're not supposed to be able to get chicken pox again. Right? Right. Because you, yeah, you get the virus. You become immune to the virus. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. Right. So the virus is dormant in your body. Herpes You've had chicken pox. Zorster. Anyway, continue. I don't know the, the scientific <laughs> names, but the, the virus is in you. The virus is dormant. You have beaten it into submission. It's hanging out. Uh, you're quote-unquote immune, um, but it's there. It's still there. You know, it's not mm-hmm. dead. It's inside you. So... So that's chicken pox. So our generation, everyone was like, get chicken pox early. You don't want to get adult chicken pox. It's hard on you when right. you're adult. So we got chicken pox early. Everyone got chicken pox when I was a kid. Everybody. Um, Everybody's doing it. They, they say, don't do that now. I don't know the specifics, but don't. Anyways, uh, if you get chicken pox, great. If you don't, then, then don't. But uh, the weird thing is that that dormant virus can resurface and become active again. Mm-hmm. Even though you're quote-unquote immune to the thing. And if that happens, that is shingles. Okay. Okay? Um, and the weird thing is doctors don't know why this happens. They don't, they don't know what causes it. I mean, I'm sure there are theories, 
like stress and all these these other factors that could incite it, but they don't really know why it happens. Hmm. You are fundamentally immune to this virus at this point, um, and yet in some cases it'll come back and it will manifest itself in a different way. Right. Which is weird for, uh, you know, number two. That's weird. Same virus. It's the same strain. It's in you. Nothing's changed. It hasn't morphed. It's been inside. And yet it manifests itself differently if it resurfaces. Shingles uh, itself is characteristics of – it has a few weird characters. It, 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 it attacks your – it's attached to your nerves. Uh-huh. So you have excruciating nerve pain from mm. shingles. You have it, it, it rashes up, but not like chicken pox. It's not individual pox here and there. Mm-hmm. It's patches of rashes that can but don't always bloom into uh blisters. Surface rash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the rash itself only affects half of your body. Like a right side either, or a left side? Either the right or the left half. Really? Yeah. Huh. And and it and it follows the nerve ring on mm-hmm. that side of your body. Huh. So uh obviously this is not visual, but my wife's rash was in the in, back, on her back. Mm-hmm. Um her shoulder blade and kind of went around the nerve ring under her arm and in front. Ooh, yikes! And and then went uh, down her arm to about the elbow, not quite to the elbow. And now it wasn't full; it wasn't like a rash. The whole thing, but there was spots of these rashes uh-huh. that followed that path. Some were worse than worse than others, but and some are still there. Like she's not completely good. How long has it most, been? It's been about a week. Okay. So she started getting some symptoms around Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, maybe next last week. Um, and it and it came full force, um, Sunday. She started rationing out a little bit on Saturday, and she called the doctor, and they were like, yeah, you probably have shingles. Go to the ER. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. And so she went and got some antiviral medicine, which are these ginormous pills, Mm -hmm. um, which is all you can do. You can take that, and you can take some ibuprofen for the nerve pain, Uh, but that's it. You basically, you got to wait it out. Right. But just the characteristics of it is so weird compared to chickenpox. Like the whole nerve thing, like you mm-hmm. – I couldn't touch her arm in certain places because it would hurt so much. Right. You know? And just like putting on clothes, forget about it. Like it killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – okay. And so, you know, everyone's like – and here's the other thing that I didn't understand. So everyone is like, oh, you got shingles. Stay away from me. I don't want to get shingles from you. You can't get shingles from anybody. Mm-hmm. If you've never had chicken pox, if 
uh, I don't want to be too graphic, but if the liquid from her blisters mm-hmm. surfaces and gets in an open wound on your body, then if you haven't had chicken pox, you could get chicken pox. But that's it. It's not airborne. It's not nothing. Right. She has to touch you and you have to get some of that liquid. And so the the even the, the possibility of passing chicken pox is very low. To somebody who has never had chicken pox. Right. Oh, to have somebody with shingles around them. Um, which is crazy. But you but but yeah, you you have to not have had chicken pox. If you've had chicken pox, then you're immune to shingles. Like you can't get her strain. Like it doesn't work like that. Right, right, right. It has to be this anomalous uh resurfacing of this virus for you. From your initial uh, uh, chickenpox virus to get shingles, so it's very weird. It's very weird. Um, so, anyways, I wanted to share that with everybody because I learned a lot about that 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 uh, I didn't think, uh, or at least I didn't understand a lot of that to begin with. And uh, there you go. So, dang. No, that, it's, that's super it's a, interesting. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Do Do you want to uh, associate yourself in another way with shingles? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. My first band ever was was called Tom Scott Shingles, um, and it was because my friend Tom, who was in the band at the time, didn't show up to practice one day, and he, uh, he because he had shingles. Yeah. That's... And somebody and and we said, "Where's Tom?" And somebody said, "Well, Tom's got shingles." And I said, "Aha!" I don't know if it was my suggestion. I actually don't remember, but uh, <laughs> I was like, "That is a band name," <laughs> and thus it was. Tom's got and shingles. Th- Tom's got shingles, and we were okay. The I think the name was great, and most people who knew us remember the name, uh, and that's all I can say about that. That's the best part because Tom wasn't in the band for very long. <laughs> no, after that point, I so, mean, he was he was in for a good stint before that. I don't think he was ever in the band once the name was that. Right. That's that's what I mean. So it's just like, oh, Tom's got shingles. Who's Tom? Yeah, he's no longer with us. Yeah, <laughs> he's fine. He's yeah. just no longer with us. Right. Yeah. Huh. He was the whole reason I got in that band. There you go. And then Shingles just took him right out. Man, poor kid. He's fine. I love how your dad still wears that shirt every once in a while. Heck <laughs> yeah, man. The best. Yep. Gotta represent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You ready for uh, something just as, as bumpy for my new? <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> yeah. This would have been a, a great segue. Um, going the going going whichever way because um yep. So I um we went on our twelve mile run as as you heard. Yes, sir. And um as we were we were uh in our I can't remember probably the eighth mile or something like that. I ran by this house um and I saw this like weird fruit on the ground. Uh-huh. And um, so, um, you know, when you're doing an unsupported 
you know, long run, your your choices are either to A, do an out and back or a, some kind of loop situation where you right. uh, end up where you started. But for us, we we wanted to kind of do the the route of the the actual race. So we we parked one car at the end of the 12 miles and drove, you know, basically 12 miles up the canyon to park at the top and, you know, uh just started there. So nice. Um, as we as I passed this, you know, on mile 8 or something like that, um we were driving back and I'm like, "Oh, we got to grab some of this weird fruit." Cuz like just, I got to know what this fruit's all about. <laughs> just from this random person's house? This is random person's house. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> so there were a couple of these a couple of these things just laying around um in in their yard and stuff and I'm not one for, you know, jacking people's fruit all the time, but you know, this is this is not like, oh man, this guy's just got like an orange tree or this this guy's apples are are ripe or whatever. This is a weird fruit. I need to know what's going on. So <laughs> uh-huh. um the best way to describe this is it so you take so imagine an orange, but like a big orange. Right, almost grapefruit. Almost size. a grapefruit. Okay, like right, yeah, right, smaller than a grapefruit, like a big, big orange. Uh huh. But it's this like yellowy green, and okay. it's as if like instead of like how an orange has like all those little dimples. Uh huh. Imagine those are like bumps. So like it's this very bumpy, like almost like kind of pock like looking weird yellow fruit. Okay. And so I'm like, it's it looks like maybe like a yuzu, you know, or something like that. So I'm like, I want to like, you know, there was like four or five of them on the ground. You know, they had obviously just fallen there. So I'm just like, we're just gonna grab one and so. I had uh, Stephanie run out and grab it, and she was very <laughs> bewildered as to why I was just like, just go she grab it, like, just do it, why? just do it, why? go, 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 get in the car, get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so we take this and like um, we take it home and everything, and like um, I and I I really kind of wanted to like before I looked it up I really kind of wanted to just like cut it open and just kind of like discover what I think cuz it's like I'm like this has got to be like a citrus like you know something like that it's kind of yeah. got this like weird sticky quality to the outside and stuff okay. so like even when I washed it you know um to get like some of the dirt and stuff off of it like it still like, just has this like kind of sticky uh outer coating and everything so so then I just take it and I just get you know a knife of of a decent size and i just like just slice the thing straight in half and weirdly enough like it doesn't have like a rind to it so it's not like an orange or a grapefruit or even like an apple or anything specifically it like goes like straight down to the middle and um all the bumps like you can basically follow like more or less like a seam into the very middle of the fruit. Okay. And then this like white, like milky substance just kind of makes like 
just kind of oozes out of the middle, essentially. And um, so we looked it up and everything just kind of Googled, you know, bumpy, you know, orangish fruit kind of thing. And it is a macula pomifera, or better known as a um, Osage orange or a hedge apple or a monkey ball. (laughs) What? (laughs) So you might have to look this up. Like if you look up O S A G E space orange, yeah. So you see like the bumps and stuff, and we'll post this on on Instagram and stuff. Um, the interesting thing to me about this um, kind of thing is just in this. If you're looking it up on Wikipedia specifically, you'll you know kind of read the description that I I talked about where you know it's basically um spherical it's bumpy it's in you know reddish uh reddish green um it's got like this weird latex white latex in the in the middle and everything like that but um it is related to multiple fruit is what it's called multi multiple fruit family like mulberries and stuff okay which, which is kind of like if you look at multiple fruit it's like a pineapple. And so I don't know if you've oh. seen like the thing um, recently where if you take like a ripe pineapple, you can basically cut it in half and then you can peel the sections down to like the core. Have you seen that? I have not. So like all the different like little like, you know, triangle, you know, trapezoid, whatever kind of shapes of the outside of the pineapple. Uh huh. You can, if the pineapple's really ripe, you can essentially just like cut it in half, like just like, you know, if it was standing on, you know, the bottom, you would just cut it, you know, um, like uh, laterally. So you would just cut it in the middle. Um, so you got a top half and a bottom half. Okay. And you can basically just grab the edge, like where the little barbs are you know the pokey parts and you can peel it all the way to that core and stuff and so you can kind of just and so this is kind of like that you can literally cut this thing in half grab one of the bumps towards the you know at the edge of the cut and just peel it all the way to the middle crazy yeah so it's kind of it's super weird but the other really interesting thing just to kind of wrap this up is um the fruit is it says the fruit is not typically eaten by humans and rarely forged by animals forged by animals um giving it the distinction of anachronistic or a ghost of evolution cuz like, you think why is it here <laughs> yeah you think of this thing uh-huh. the size of a basically the size of a small grapefruit the plant is putting so much energy into this thing that nothing's going to eat and nothing's going to carry the seeds off to do anything. So it's either like it evolved and whatever eat was eating it died off or something, but it's just this weird kind of like, why would the the plant put so much work into this fruit 
that no animal kind of subsists on. Interesting. Yeah, so I I just follow the link to Amazon. Uh-huh. You can buy uh, seeds for these trees, the Osage orange trees. Right. And and it says the trees are deer resistant. Yeah. And that the wood can be used to make fence posts and rustic furniture. Uh, squirrels ate the seeds. Oh, okay. After but, the fruits dried out, I would assume. But uh, but that's that's all it says about consumption. Like, yeah. So it's weird that squirrels would eat the seeds, which is again something that the tree would not want. Versus the right, fruit. right. So, um, yeah. If you look at like a sliced picture of it, you can kind of see. It. Yeah, it looks almost pineapple-ish. Yeah, how you can kind of peel it into that middle. Yeah, cut. Mm-hmm. But like an apple, that's a pineapple. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. So that that's is, weird. That is my new because that was very bewildering, and I was like, "Oh man, what if this person like has this crazy exotic fruit and it's so good?" And da, da. Nope, inedible. Okay, I don't feel that <laughs> it's exotic, but. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, apparently they make like yeah, really good, you know, like, uh, hedges and stuff like that, and that's why people right people have these plants and everything, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it look. I mean, it's 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 native to to Texas and Oklahoma and stuff like that. And so, um, huh. maybe you know something came, we came along and killed off whatever whatever found this delicious. But that's uh, that is the story. Crazy man. Yeah, that's cool. So. We learned some things today. Yep. So go get yourself some monkey ball fruit. Even though monkeys don't eat it, yeah, don't. I mean, maybe just they just look throw at it. it. That we <laughs> yeah. Kinda, yeah, but yeah, it's just so bumpy. It's so weird looking. Yeah, dude, it, it does look. Yeah, it's weird. The pictures that they had of it were mm-hmm. strange, strange, strange fruit. So you understand why I had to just like say grab this fruit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can understand your. Compul- I mean, you and fruit, I understand already. So the yeah. compulsion was there; it, it had to be done. Yeah, exactly. So uh, no other, no other alternative. Yep. All right. Well. All right, man. Hope everybody learned something, and yeah, uh, you guys got uh, as much out of this podcast as we did. Because yeah, I got. Thanks a lot. for hanging. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us. This was a long one. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate it if you made it here to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so check us out on um on the Twitter. Um yeah. we're posting question of the days, you know, and uh and triggered memories. Just, you know yeah, talk to your friends, man. Open a conversation on a bus or in an elevator and uh people got people got memories, man. People got ideas. Yeah. See if they know what an Osage orange is. Yeah, and, and you know, find out what your new is and, and follow us on uh, on Instagram. There you go. Tag N Brando. You, you see it in the podcast name, so I'm assuming you can look for it. Can probably on figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. And uh, yeah, hope you guys are with us next week. Yes, sir.
All right. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.